You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Being able to get exposed to the right people, like your performance is, of course, important, but your image and your exposure are what's really going to take you to that next level. Welcome to the Bridge to You podcast, hosted by yours truly, Monique Russell, where we focus on diversity, inclusion, and understanding for Black cultures through conversations that help us connect to ourselves and each other. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bridge to You podcast. I'm your host, Monique Russell. And today, in my guest chair, I have an incredible woman. She is the Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Insight Global. She's an advocate for equality in recruitment and hiring practices, a leader in internal professional development for Black leadership consultants, and an advocate for Black Lives Matter. Welcome to the show, Corinne Williamson. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Me too. I'm really excited for you to be here because I know that our guests are going to learn so much from your journey and from your experiences being a diversity, equity, and inclusion leader at such a young age. But I'm not going to jump right into that just yet. We're going to save that for the audience. I always like to ask my guests, if you could choose to be anywhere in the world, where would you choose to be and why? Yeah, I think this is a great question. And I don't know if it's cheesy to say this, but I feel like I'm exactly where I want to be. I'm originally from California, specifically Northern California. And I was born and raised in the Bay Area in between there and Stockton, California. And so I had known I wanted to move um, for a while. And now I'm living in Atlanta, Georgia. I've been here um, since April. So I think it's really insightful for me to learn more. There's definitely a a large Black population here. And then just also seeing the differences of uh, existing as a Black woman in California versus existing as a Black woman in the South. Um, I think it's a really good learning opportunity for me, not just from a professional standpoint, but also for my personal development. So I think I'm exactly where I would want to be in. I think this is a huge learning journey for me. Oh my goodness. I absolutely love that because I'm in Atlanta, Georgia as well. And I made that trek from San Jose, Santa Clara, California. So I can totally relate to that experience as well. So uh, what does diversity and inclusion among Black cultures look like to you? Yeah, I think it means a lot of things because there's also so many intersectionality that goes into being a black person, right? So um, there's being a black woman, uh, there's being a part of the LGBT community. Um, So I think there's a lot of different variances of being a part of the black community. And I think it's welcoming every single different demographic. And I think it's also realizing while 
you know, you do have that ability to be in the oppressed category. Me also as like a straight woman, um, I do have certain privileges over other communities. Me being able-bodied allows me to have certain privileges over others. So always being, you know, as I'm lifting myself up, you know, who else am I uplifting? And my team and I always have this saying, it's lift as you climb. It's our, our shared value as a team. So thinking about how you can also uplift other people while you're also in the process of lifting up yourself as well. I like that you say embrace all aspects of identity. And I think sometimes it's hard for people to do if they don't know like all the various aspects of intersectionality. For those that are listening, can you talk a little bit about what that means? Yeah, um, it just means the different layers to your identity. And I think there's a uh, Shrek kind of says it well, if you've seen the movie Shrek about being an onion, right? And you have all these layers that you have to peel back. and so intersectionality is just the different layers that make up your identity. And I think also, you know, I can't be a spokeswoman for all Black women because I haven't lived the experience of every single Black woman. And whether that's, you know, my socioeconomic status, whether that's my education level, um, now even from an organizational hierarchy standpoint, there's all these different layers of my identity that, you know, make up who I am um, and the way that I see the world and experience the world. I love that. It's like an onion. So peeling back the multiple layers and making sure that we're able to embrace all aspects of who we are and also for others. Now, Corinne, I know that a lot of diversity, equity, and inclusion leaders often have a personal journey as to why they have gotten into this work. And that personal journey tends to propel them into advocating on a larger scale for others, like what you're doing. What has been your own process or journey into getting into this space? Yeah, definitely. I feel like, honestly, my, my whole life has been a compilation to lead me to this journey. I was originally born in Oakland, California, and then my family moved out to Stockton while I was in elementary school. And so Oakland was a little bit more diverse. And then going to Stockton, which ironically is the most diverse city in the state of California, uh, but also super segregated. And so where there was this big wave of people who had moved from the Bay Area to Stockton around the same time I did uh, because the housing was more affordable there. And so um, my dad, he actually, you know, commuted from uh, Stockton to San Jose, which is like, you know, hour and a half to two and a half hours, depending on traffic every day for 10 years in order to provide better opportunities for my family. And I also think his journey is really important to me as well. You know, he doesn't have a college degree, but just kind of got one opportunity to work entry-level IT help desk support, uh, eventually went into network engineering and then cloud architecture. And so as a kid, I got to run around all these cool companies like Dell, SAP, Polycom. And so I was exposed to a lot more. Um, and then moving us into a better neighborhood, you know, I received a better public education. I was able to go to college, which you know, is out of the norm for my family and uh, just to be exposed to a lot more opportunities. Um, but while I was in Stockton, I also realized a lot of the times in my uh, more advanced classes, you know, I was that only Black student there. I did experience a lot of different, you know, prejudices and uh, I guess trying to change my identity a bit. 
living in Stockton and trying to assimilate. And so when I moved back to the Bay Area, I moved to San Jose for college and it was the best experience. I was a communications major, but I think my courses were very hippie. Like we would literally stand around in circles and hum. Um, and it was really fun. You know, we took really unconventional ways of learning. I was exposed to people that um, I never would have, you know, surrounded myself around otherwise. And I got to take classes on, you know, ableism. I got to take classes on sexuality and gender and the binary. And so I think I learned and studied a lot. Um, I focused a lot on ethnography, which is the study of people and culture. So some of my classes would just be me sitting for, you know, five hours, just documenting everything that I see. And so I think that, you know, compilation of those things being introduced to different people and then also, you know, getting ingrained in more local advocacy groups, post-college stayed in touch with this organization called Silicon Valley Debug. Um, and they are a local advocacy group to San Jose. I put on an event with some of the mothers from that group who had lost loved ones to police violence. Um, and so I did an event in 2020, I think it was in like June or July. Um, and it was really fun. It was about the black experience. And so we had a multitude of different um, speakers and people that kind of came together from the community to just talk things out. And I think protesting is great, right? I went to a ton of protests myself, but what was different a little bit about this one is it really was an open forum for people to just have conversation. And people spoke up um, from all different backgrounds, Black, white, Asian, Hispanic. Um, and so I thought that was a really beautiful thing to see. And I think all of those things really led me to want to do this in a full-time capacity uh, because I realized I did have this gift of bringing people together and having really tough conversations, but doing it in the spirit of unity and doing it in the spirit of progression. Wow, that is incredible, Corinne. I mean, it's like you've been pretty much immersed in, you know, embracing other cultures, your different experiences, your personal experiences in Stockton, diverse but segregated, and then moving to have more exposure, getting into your personal advocacy groups, learning, you know, your knowledge, your experience, your passion, just complete immersion, which now propels you to be an advocate for diverse cultures, especially in the workplace. And I think that is just so fascinating. And so when I think about this and I say, well, for a lot of the other people who are watching you, or maybe they don't have that same trajectory, maybe they haven't even been exposed to what ableism is, or they haven't been exposed to a, a protest, but they might have had a, an experience where they are in a diverse community, but segregated, maybe one or two things that you've experienced, they've experienced. If you had your magic current wand and knowing what you know now, what would be the first thing or one thing that you would do to help people who are in the workplace to move to an expansive mindset the way that you have embraced? Yeah, I think research is a big thing. And I think a lot of what I do in my role now, I feel really grateful to have fell upon uh, the company that I work for now. I think Inside Global, you know, we're a staffing company. It's not like a necessarily glamorous industry, right? I kind of just took 
this job right out of college. And I realized here that we have more, I think, power and capabilities to reach audiences than any other company um, because we are one of the largest staffing companies in Northern America, because our DE&I efforts aren't only going to impact, you know, inside global as a company, but be able to impact every single major company and what the workforce of the future looks like there. And so I feel like that's my personal mission. Like I don't have, you know, necessarily that one yet, but that is exactly what the mission of my team and my organization is to do is to have these one-on-one conversations. And I kind of realized, you know, change happens on an individual basis. Like I, I love this quote by uh, Tupac Shakur, but he says, you know, I may not change the world, but I guarantee I will spark the brain that will change the world. And I realized that power that I had when I started out with Insight Global as an account manager, um, what my job was, was to work with hiring managers and to find them the best talent. And I was working with the biggest fintech company in the world right now. And a lot of the times my clients would just text me and say, hey, I need to hire this. I need to hire that. These jobs were never, ever posted on any job boards online, like only Corinne Williamson knew about them. And so I realized my impact to be able to really find diverse talent and be able to do that outreach on an individual basis. And then to be able to look back and say, wow, like I helped open the door and give, you know, these opportunities to people who just wouldn't have known about these opportunities. And I think a lot of hiring practices do go off of referral basis, right? Like, oh, I know someone that does this, or I know someone that does that. And like you said, if you've never been exposed to diverse groups, to diverse audiences, it's all about just providing that leverage. And I think that magic is in those one-on-one interactions because we all pull different levers, I like to say, towards change. Um, And that can be a good direction. That can also be a negative direction. And so I think about as I'm making my decisions on a day-to-day basis, like, is this moving towards a world I want to live in? Is this moving towards, you know, something that I want to be a part of and not just thinking as those individual decisions as just being individual decisions, because they do impact other people and have a greater measurement um, in the future. So I love this. And I want to jump back because, you know, this show is all about us giving our audience, the tools, the skills, the insight, the inspiration for them to transform their lives. And I love the fact because you're the only person that I've had on the show who is in the recruiting space. And right now, a lot of people are talking about the great resignation, which I say it's the great redirection. So when you think about this space of recruiting, and we're just really talking about support, what's one skill area that you feel, if I can give Black candidates more support, where would we put that focus or where would you put that emphasis? Yeah, I would just put the emphasis on networking. I'm not sure if you've heard the PI theory, but essentially PI stands for performance, influence, and exposure. Exposure. I agree with you on the networking. That is for sure. So I think a lot of my opportunities have come from exposure. And I think I get a lot of, I guess, influence from my faith. And one of my favorite Bible verses um, is Luke 6, 35. It says, uh, love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great. And so I'm always someone who goes out and 
is constantly like looking to see where I can fit in, looking to see where I can help. And that's exactly what I did once I got my foot in the door here at Insight Global. I joined our diversity council. And from there, our uh, president, or who was then president, but now chief revenue officer was also in the council. And so we were able to form a one-on-one relationship. He ended up becoming my executive sponsor where we met every single week over the span of a year just for him to help uh, work on my you know, professional development. And it's because I wanted to just get involved and impact the greater good. And I didn't know when starting that, that like there was an end goal or there was like, you know, this role um, necessarily at the end, but I kind of just did it because I wanted to make a difference. And I think same thing when I have been involved with these local advocacy groups, like I never joined with the intention of being a social justice leader. Like I joined with the intention of like helping out where help was needed. And so I think from the perspective of advice that I would give other Black individuals, and I always do, is just to really expose yourself, get involved, and to work really hard. I think I tell people this all the time, like, you know, I always will say I may not be like the smartest person in the room. I may not be the oldest person, the most experienced, but um, one thing that I am confident is like, I will outwork anyone. Like if you put me head to head, like I will outwork you. So it's just for me, like being able to know that, you know, that's important and being able to get exposed to the right people. Like your performance is of course important, but your image and your exposure are what's really going to take you to that next level. Oh my goodness. I'm going to call that out for our listeners. Did you hear that networking? And did you hear what she did? She met with her sponsor once a week for a year. Now, if that's not relationship building, I don't know what is. I hope you guys are taking notes and writing down. And Corinne, you talked about you may not have the most experience. You may not have the most age. Speaking of age, before we begin to wrap up, I have to get into this question because I've also been in a lot of leadership spaces at a young age and ageism is real. And you are in your early 20s. And you're having a leadership role. And I am curious, just so curious to know if you have encountered ageism and if you can share an experience with us, how you addressed it. Yeah, I think a lot of people are all often surprised to find out my age. Um, I just turned 25. So I've been used to it, though. I like started school a little bit early because I talk too much. So they're like, she's ready to go. (laughs) So I think my whole life I've been used to being a little bit younger. Um, And now I work at, you know, a multi-billion dollar company. I have an office right next to the CEO. And I think I always look at my age as an advantage. Um, When I was looking to get into leadership, I had actually reached out to some Forbes Uh, 30 under 30 social entrepreneurs. And I was asking them for advice. Again, that networking note, that's always really important, just reaching out via LinkedIn. And I realized that like my age, um, just as any other components of my intersectionality and my identity is an advantage, right? Like I understand social media in a way that someone who's you know, in their 40s, 50s won't understand it. And so I think of my impact as being, you know, able to just offer a different perspective. I haven't necessarily received any negative, I guess, discriminations or microaggressions due to my age, but I think 
people are always shocked um, when they do find out. I think I used to try to like beat around it a little bit. Like I wouldn't tell uh, people my age or if that conversation was going there, I would steer it another direction. But um, now I do really take pride in what I've been able to achieve because like I said, I'm confident in my abilities to work really hard. And I'm also very adamant on having a growth mindset. It was something my executive sponsor taught me here is there is no such thing as failure. The only thing that failure is, is that you can't try. And so I think I really have an open mind when it comes to just being able to fail and and it has no correlation to do with my age. And I also think, you know, where my dad grew up and, and a lot of my family members, like it's a blessing to even live past the age of 25. So I think I've already kind of, you know, reached some ceilings and I'm like, well, like I didn't even know for a fact that I would make it here. So like wow. I have to lose at this point. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that is incredible that you have not experienced anything because it really doesn't take us far to go. Just a Google search and you hear all sorts of things about ageism. Millennials are this, millennials are that. And also on the flip side, you know, those who are over 50, there's there the ageism is real. It's only just until the last year that it came so full center, people started to realize that there were no 50 under 50s and 60s under 60s. And so it's awesome that you have not experienced that. For those that are listening, we know that a lot of young people that are also coming up. And if you do encounter it, which is a 50% chance that you might, take that mindset that Karen mentioned, use your age as an advantage. I hope that you enjoyed this episode because all the nuggets that Curran dropped were extremely impactful. She talked about making sure that you look at that onion, that layer of identity, make sure that you embrace identity among yourself and among other Black cultures. If you find yourself in a situation where you're diverse but segregated, get out and get some exposure. Even if you have to drive an hour and a half like her dad, those are the action steps that I picked up in this conversation. And making sure that you embrace unconventional ways of learning. This will help you to begin to develop a deeper awareness and appreciation for the cultures all around you. Definitely, last but not least, make sure you get that pie. Networking is important. Get yourself a sponsor, get yourself some mentors, network with others, and know it's not going to be a one and done. You have to meet consistently over an extended period of time to develop relationship and get benefits. And last but not least, make sure that you take your age as an advantage. It's not a liability. It's not a deficit. It's not a defect, but it is something that you can use to propel you to your next level. Corinne, before we close, is there anything that you'd like to share with the audience that I have not asked? I think that covers it. And I think just the importance of, again, networking is really adamant and just going for opportunities that you didn't know were available. Again, being in the staffing industry, even women on average don't apply for jobs unless they think they're 100% qualified to do it. So I think just being able to to go for things, being able to have that growth mindset and knowing there is no such thing as failure, um, there's just redirection. So I think you summed it up perfectly and and I really loved uh, having this conversation with you today. 
Fantastic. And if anyone wants to reach out to you and contact you and tell you how much they were inspired by your show, where can they uh, reach out to you? Yeah, they can reach out to me via LinkedIn. My name is spelled a little bit differently. So it's K-O-R-R-Y-N Williamson, or uh, you can reach me via email. It's my first name, dot last name at insightglobal.com. Thank you so much, Karen, for being on the show. Listeners, once again, until next time, take care and be well. Thanks for listening to the Bridge to You podcast. Visit clairecommunicationsolutions.com or connect with me on LinkedIn, Monique Russell, or Instagram at Clear Communication Coach. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.